You are listening to Inside a Hustler's Brain podcast, a podcast that inspires people to be creative and build successful business online. I am sitting down with real-time hustlers to learn about their business process and how to create a positive impact on the world. My name is Jitendra Vaswani. I'm a digital nomad and international keynote speaker, best known for creating internet marketing blog that is Blogger's Ideas, where I interviewed marketing legends like Neil Patel and Rand Fishkin. So let's get started. Hey, hi guys, I'm Jitendra here. So I'm with Dipesh Mandela. He's a speaker here at our Bangkok. So Dipesh, can you share something about your journey that how did you get started into Facebook ads, man? Sure, so I actually fell into Facebook ads because I had an affiliate marketing business where I was relying on SEO traffic. And okay, SEO traffic. I actually drove a seven-figure revenue using SEO and content marketing. Wow. But I made mistakes along the way. And in 2012, I lost all my rankings. And so I needed a new traffic channel. Okay. So I started looking at paid search and Facebook ads. Okay. And Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And something about Facebook ads, it took me 18 months to figure out, but slowly it started to make sense. And about 18 months later, things clicked into place. And that's when I started to really profit and grow with Facebook ads. So you started your journey in, into SEO, right? Just like me, like an SEO guy. So how tough was that to, to rank your site on Google? Means how long you you started your SEO journey? How long so I started with SEO probably around 2007. Wow. So my journey into SEO was I was a website manager. Okay, so in 2005, I managed landing pages, analytics, A-B testing, etc. But because I was the technical guy on the website, the SEO marketing manager at the time gave me all the technical stuff to do, like okay. HTML metas and all that HTML kind of stuff. Text, so yeah. I got really interested in that. So then I started looking at SEO and I thought, this makes sense, I, I can make sense of this. So 2007 I started, I actually lost my job in 2009 and I needed Shit. an income. So wow. I took my SEO knowledge and knowledge of affiliate marketing and I merged them both together. And okay. so I started blogging, putting affiliate links, just blog, 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 just trying to get rankings for anything and see what would work. It took me maybe four to five months to get my first affiliate sale. And, and that wow. was such a good feeling. So how did you learn that uh, affiliate marketing means from what kind of blogs you were following at that time? So in the UK, there's an, a, a big network called Affiliate Window and they're part affiliate of Window. Xanox. Yes, now Xanox. And yeah. they had a ton of material out and they had some big affiliates which I started to follow. I can't mm-hmm. remember their names, but even like in the US, like Shoe Money, Shoe Money one yeah. of the big names and Jeremy. a few other guys Jean like Chow, that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Everyone, so yeah. I started to kind of learn these names and I started reading about how they're doing it, what they're doing. Um, I kind of went, I, I stayed on the white hat side and I oh, went maybe hat. gray hat, but I never went into the black hat because I don't know, just something didn't appeal for me. Maybe same here, same ethics, here. I don't know. I don't, there's nothing wrong if people want to make yeah, an income through that. Yes, I know. Um, but that's how I learned affiliate marketing so just reading blogs looking at case studies attending attending events and just absorbing as much as i could yeah so dipesh i've seen your talk in the in the morning here at acml so what can you share just a brief about your talk that you had at acml so so my who my audience who are not here so so they can get an idea that what Absolutely. kind of talk did you have so the talk i wanted to focus the angle on was high roas so high return on ad spend but what i call brand-driven performance marketing. So this is an affiliate event and there's now an e-commerce event. So performance marketing is bread and butter for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Performance marketing is get the traffic to the site and convert it. It's all about the numbers and the metrics. What I wanted people to reflect on is the brand experience. Like how are you making customers feel and are you actually 
convincing them to buy before actually asking them to buy. There's like a, a mind trick behind this that if you make your product, your brand, your photography, your imagery, your video look so compelling, yeah. it will trigger something in them that they want the product. And then when you offer them the opportunity to buy, they, they'll buy it. Okay, and it becomes what, cheaper and it becomes more profitable. Of course, yeah. So what do you think about the future of e-commerce in 2019? Oh, it's still huge. I mean, there's so much opportunity still. Like, one of the things I talked about in the talk was scaling across countries. Like, yeah. people get fixated with the US and, US and, and big UK, markets and things yeah. like that. But there's so much more potential. And where I see people getting stuck is, you know, if I want to launch in Germany or Spain, I need to translate, I need to do currencies, etc. But my talk was a demonstration of we didn't do that. We tested with the English um, language. We tested which, whichever currencies we had on the site. We had Euro. Yeah. And we just looked for traction. When you find traction and you find that there's opportunity to grow in a country, then look at translations. Then look at making the journey more tailored for that country. So don't invest up front. Don't get all your translations done for Germany, Spain, etc. Because it's a waste of time. Test first. Test fast. See where the opportunities are and then take it from there. So people can run means if I want to run ads on Spain, I can try English language yeah, still. It's, so, it's such a universal language. Okay, what kind of the targeting will be there at that point? I, I generally use the same targeting that I would for other countries. So if I have interests that are working in US or UK, yeah. I test them in Spain. Okay. If not, then I'll key them into audience insights, audience insights select Spain okay. and see what comes up. What other affinities there right. are, for example, <laughs> or what other big pages are in Spain, I can key into audience insights and find other interests as well. Right. So do you use Instagram influencers for your e-com stores? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing about influencers is you need to find someone who's going to take your product or brand seriously. The problem with influencers is because it's become such a, key, a big kind of keyword, a buzzword, everyone's like the influencers are making so much money out of this. Of course. But yeah. I would probably say 80, 90% of it is trash. Like that it's not really good quality influencer campaign. So in my talk, I talked about a huge partnership between Nike and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. That's yeah. a huge influencer. Not everyone can afford that. But it of doesn't course, yeah. have to be that big. But you know, when an influencer really believes in your product and they actually use it and they share it on their timeline, not just one post and it says sponsored and then you know, oh. they're just they take your product and they throw it in the bin the next day but when they repeatedly post and they, they, they've actually connected with the product then that gives you traction of course so how do you find these kind of influencers are you using any kind of tools to find out in your niche yeah absolutely so um, the ones I've used in the past there's a tool there's a website called Wyler and one okay. called Hay for Influencers and there's a few other ones out there like that but you have to do the work and really sift them out so like the same same happens with PR so when you're looking for a good PR story, yep. you need a good PR site, you need PR a good site. angle, right. and put the package together. Same works with influencers. You have to put the effort in. You can't just dish your product out to 100 influencers and expect massive performance because you need to almost interview them and work through them systematically as well. Right. So what kind of uh, best Facebook automation tools you're using right now for your business and your sure. clients? Can you share? So the main tool I use is RevealBot. Oh, that reveal makes bot. a huge yeah. difference on okay. optimization. So like one of the simplest strategies I revealed at Affiliate World a few days ago was something I called Ad Sniper. So it's literally cutting out bad performing ads. People don't do this enough. So it's literally taking one or more ad sets, okay. looking at all the ads within that, and just kill any that are below your target, whether it's CPA or ROAS or CPL. Just okay. kill them, kill them, kill them. RevealBot allows you to automate that. So you can it's say if it's below this level, kill it. So you're saving money, 
but in the opposite way, if an ad set is performing really well, then up the budget and you can automate all these tasks. So we have lots of complicated rules that help us to manage workflow so that I can work with many, many clients with complex campaigns and ad sets, but we set the rules and the machine does everything for us. The cool thing about RevealBot is it plugs into Slack. So okay. we have a Slack channel per client for all the alerts. So my team know to go in and check if something's been paused or Something a budget's been increased, right. check it out. The other tool that we use is Supermetrics. It's okay, such super a time saver. Yes. Okay. That allows us to take the data from Ads Manager, push it into Google Sheets, oh, and we Google barely Sheets. touch Ads Manager to analyze our campaigns because everything we need is in different Google Sheets as well. It's different Google Sheets. So, Dipesh, you will be in India right right now for... I'm hoping to be. Yeah, yeah. hoping to be in India. So, what kind of plans do you have for other Asian countries? Will you be a speaker there also? So, my plans coming up, I've got Las Vegas coming up in January. Okay, January. Potentially India in February. I mean, for me, that means a lot because yeah. I am Indian. Indian, and, and these guys, he's Indian. He absolutely. really don't look like Indian, but he's, yeah, in, he's I'm, actually I'm an Indian, yeah. Brought up in London. My, my parents actually were brought up in East Africa. Oh, my wow. grandparents were brought up in Gujarat. So oh. my, my, my roots are there and I'd love to be able to give more back to my people, essentially, in, in other Indians as well. Um, so if that's possible, I'd love to do that. Then sure. in April, I'm in Fiji and okay. potentially in May or June, I might be in Philippines. And after that, I don't know. Okay. So Dipesh, one of, one of the most important question in entrepreneurial life is how do you keep a balance between personal and professional life? It's very tough because our it job is. is like we are c continuously working like 24 hours like hey, it's these campaigns and that campaigns. It's like so much of hectic. So how do you keep balance between your personal and professional life? I'd be honest, I'm, I'm still working that one out because yeah, I actually have four children. Oh my so God. I need so, to make sure so that I give them the time. With my first two children, I did not do that. I was working too much. And it took me it happens, having man. the third child to actually slow down and appreciate my children because I got to the point where I was seeing pictures of my children. I, I had no memory. Like I, I didn't uh, really experience it. A There's a difference between being present and actually being mindful of the situation. So for example, if you're out with your kids, and you're checking your phone for alerts yeah, and stuff. You're not really with your kids. No, no, you're not. There'd really be occasions where I would read a bedtime story, but I'm still checking messages and stuff. And I had to move away from that. So, like for example, right now between five and eight in the evening, I block out. There's no work. It's just so all about the kids. Absolutely. So I'm still working on that. Like for example, with my wife, we work on date nights. Like you have to remember that there's a reason you got together. You, you course, first yeah. started off dating. The mistake I made and many married people make is when you get married and you have kids, you forget that you were a couple once. You're, not, course, you're not just mum and dad, you're actually a couple. couple. Now the worst thing is when your business starts to merge with pleasure and you don't really separate that time out, that becomes a problem. And that's my next big challenge to really manage that better. It's very tough, man, to be very honest, because you are handling four kids and your business it gets so much of hectic, right? Absolutely, True. absolutely. So Dipesh, do you want to share any three base, uh, best Facebook strategies? for someone who is just starting out right now on Facebook ads. Sure, so the first thing I would start off with is whether you're running affiliate, e-com or whatever it is, you've got two things to balance out, the traffic and the conversion, traffic right? Traffic and conversion. And I see a lot of people either focusing too heavily on one or the other. So either, for example, I've seen store owners create e-com stores and spend months and months perfecting the logo, the product page, etc., etc. Learn and test fast. Get your store up, get your products up, don't stress about making it the best it can be because until you get traffic in, you don't even know if that product's in a cell. Yeah, so really true. fast iterative testing. The second thing is when it comes to driving traffic, 
learn some of the basics of how you're actually going to get the best value from that traffic. So right. I've seen lots of bad advice on, you know, just run a traffic campaign objective in Facebook and just get as many clicks as you can. You need to understand that the different objectives that Facebook give are different quality of audiences as well. Right. So if you're going for a traffic campaign, right. all Facebook says is, I want to give you as many clicks as, you, as, as I can send. If you go for a website conversion campaign, then you're telling Facebook, this conversion event matters to me. So it's whether it's add to car or purchase, then Facebook goes after different people. Okay. And so it's kind of get, getting your mind behind, you're, you're literally going to Facebook and it has a menu. Right. And you're going to that menu and saying, right, I want that and I want to pay this much, etc., etc. So you need to understand that. The third thing I would say is always focused on the user value, whether it's your ad or your conversion or post-purchase experience. When you focus on the user, you keep Facebook happy. When you keep Facebook happy, you get lower CPMs, you get more profitability. More. So I think that's the, the biggest thing I That's did. the key. So how did you build a relationship with Facebook rap people? Because sure. it's right, because everyone is asking this question and how, how I, I, I can find someone from Facebook so my accounts don't get banned. So how do you deal with that thing? So having an account rep is not a solution to all your problems. There's different levels of account reps and yeah. at the very basic level it's good to have a contact okay. but don't expect they're going to give you a ton of insights because chances are as you start to learn Facebook ads your, your knowledge will surpass those kind of basic level reps Right. because they're all there to learn as well with you. Um, but having a rep there is obviously useful. You can bounce things off and get some responses. But you know, ad accounts, getting them back, I would say don't let them get lost in the first place because as, as boring as policy is, it's all part and parcel of running Facebook ads. So you need to understand what's good and bad. If you intentionally work on things that are against policy, then you take that burden on yourself. Right. And you need to be prepared to grovel and, and try and get your campaigns, um, ad accounts back. If you do get it banned, then just write to their support team and explain why? that you know you did wrong and why it went wrong. Have and you ever fix got your it. Facebook account back? Honestly, um, I've never lost an account, but clients yeah. have, and I've okay. helped them get them back. And it's about rectifying the problem okay. and showing that you've rectified. So for example, um, three, four months ago, a client lost their account because their landing page had before and after pictures. So a lot of people know that you can't have right. it in ads, but did you know you can't have it in your landing page as well? Oh, shit. So he lost his um, account. And so we went back and said, look, we've fixed up the page, and, and that was fine, and we got it back. So um, yes. th there will be occasions where you don't know, and you, you honestly feel like it's um, being banned for no reason. Being banned for then no you need to go back and try and figure out why. Sometimes it might be a mistake as well, so sure. don't give up on it. Okay. Thank you so much, Dipesh, for sharing lot of great stuff about your journey and Facebook ad strategy. Thank you so much. Pleasure. I really appreciate it. And hope to see you in India. Absolutely. So thank you so much again. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope you are enjoying my podcast. So please share this episode with your friends and please drop a review. Your positive feedback will be really appreciated. And till then, keep hustling and never ever give up. Signing off inside a hustler's brain podcast by Jitendu Vaswani.